Imperial battleship, halt the flow of time. I cannot swim, you Spanish peacock. I'm not Spanish, I'm Egyptian. You five-star double-rated astronavigatrix. Uh, 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 what? Space herpy. Give me the remote control. Good heavens, General, that sounds like a woman. Impossible! Welcome, listener, to StarCrashed. We discuss genre movies released before the year 2000. In this episode, we'll discuss Excalibur from 1981. It is a fantasy movie, and we're going to talk about it. My name is Ebba. My name is Linnea. Uh, so we picked this movie because it's uh, one that we've brought up a number of times to watch, and it is epic i hope we both think <laughs> that um but we've just been interested in it so we're finally we finally had the opportunity to watch it yeah yeah it's a fantasy classic and yes. we've both been interested in seeing it uh, for quite a while and we did finally decided to sit down and do it um and excalibur of course as the name suggests is about the legend of king arthur uh, but unlike uh, many or several other movie adaptations of the King Arthur tale that I can think of anyway. Usually they just pick like one part of the tale to adapt, but this one just takes all of it, like every part of it. It's ambitious. (laughs) It's ambitious. It's really ambitious. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that's kind of what makes it so unique and special um, at the same time that it it deals with the whole legend. And yeah, we're going to get more into that later, but uh, it begins prior to uh, the birth of king arthur it, it deals with um how how he came to be essentially mm-hmm. um uh, uh uther pendragon he uh, gets the hots for igraine but igraine is an, another man's wife that's the way it usually is in these tales uh, and he convinces merlin to do something about this and merlin is like mm, okay i <laughs> like yeah reluctantly <laughs> reluctantly yeah. agree yes um uh, and he disguises Uther as uh, Igraine's husband and uh, has sex with her. Um, and um, uh, Uther, that is, has sex mm. with her and uh, Arthur is conceived. Um, and her husband <laughs> dies uh, the mm. same night because he's, uh, you know, he and uh, Uther are fighting with each other. Um, and then Uther kind of comes later on, you know, the son you've had, it's mine, isn't it? And she's like... I don't know. This man came to me. He looked my, like my husband, but my husband was dead, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. Um, so that, that's kind of revealed. But then it's also, uh, it comes out to light that Uther, um, when he convinced Merlin of this, he also promised Merlin that whatever came from this knight with a grain, uh, would be given over to Merlin, mm-hmm. and that is, of course, Arthur. So Arthur is given over to Merlin uh, to do what he likes with, I guess. Uh, and it's then we make a jump in time, and we uh, end up a few years later when Arthur is uh, like a teenager, I guess. Um, and it turns out he's been raised by this man um, of House Morven, I think. Yeah, something if I like that. Remember correctly, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he is the um, squire to his brother Kay, who is um, 
uh, fighting in tournaments and things like that. So um, if you've seen the Disney film, you'll recognize the names because it's the same ones there. Uh, and uh, the tournament that they are at happened in the area where the sword and the stone is, which uh, we earlier saw uh, Uther put into the stone when he was dying. He was like, no one's going to wield Excalibur except mm. me, and he puts it there. Um, he didn't he get to, sorry not to interrupt you, but he didn't yeah. get to be king for very long. No. And I think <laughs> it's implied that it's because of his um, wrongdoing in, in, in essentially raping a grain and sort of not going about things as the rightful king that's been promised to the land because mm-hmm. there's a, this prophecy going on as well. Uh, at least that's my interpretation and what I remember, you know, like two weeks from when I saw it last <laughs> or one week. I don't remember. It's been a little bit, a little while. But um, mm. um, so it's uh, already there's, I mean, we have the scene with um, um, with Uther being portrayed as her, as the Green's husband. And we have Merlin taking away uh, the sun. So there's a lot of magic in the air uh, already. So. Uh, it's only going to get even more magic from now on. <laughs> but sorry, do do continue. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're at the point where uh, Arthur uh, attempts to draw the sword from the stone and he succeeds. And everyone are like, did you, did you draw the, sto- the sword from the stone? And he's like, yeah, I can put it back if you want. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, no, don't. <laughs> um, and then uh, because this is such a good way of deciding who who uh, gets to be king. Uh, everyone are like, oh, you're my king. Uh, except for one guy who mm-hmm. doesn't really agree with that. <laughs> and he starts a fight with another guy who does think that Arthur should be king. So they don't really fight with Arthur, they fight with each other instead. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Arthur sort of uh, comes to the rescue and, and um, essentially unites two uh, fighting factions and, and yes. the whole land. Pretty much. Yeah, and this is also when he makes eye contact with the uh, future wife. Yes. Um, the name. Yes, yes, exactly. Guinevere. Mm. Uh, and after that, it's basically the the life story of Arthur unfolding. Um, there is peace in the land, uh, but eventually, because there is no son conceived, which is a bit of a, a trouble in this kingdom, because you need a, an heir. Uh, and uh, he's Arthur is in is informed by his uh, it's his older sister that Lancelot, his most trusted knight, and uh, his wife is probably not having an affair an affair, but very deeply romantically involved <laughs> <laughs> in eye contact and things like that. <laughs> it's <Yes>. steamy. <laughs> um, and then uh, he, founds, he finds out. I don't really remember what happens with that right now. Do you remember? Because he, he stumbles upon them making love in the, in the woods. But I believe that it's kind of because of Morgaine's doing, right? I think there is some sort of magic going on there, steering them in that direction. Mm, do you, do you yeah, I suppose. Um, I mean, first they have the uh, the tournament where um, it's not a tournament; it's more like a jousting. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, jousting where the you know Lancelot has to fight a champion for the the queen, and whoever wins the fight. Uh, is the one who's sort of right in this conflict. And if the Queen's champion wins, that means that um, uh, 
um, uh, the queen is innocent. Mm. Uh, actually, it's Lancelot that has to fight for the queen, yes. Uh, but Lancelot is late, so uh, Percival sort of steps up, and he's not a knight at this uh, point, true. and he says, uh, well, let me fight for the queen. Uh, so he's knighted sort of just by accident. Yeah, last minute thing, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> because then Lancelot does turn out uh, up to the jousting, and, and uh, he fights with uh, Gawain, who is the accuser in this situation. Um, Portrayed by who... Liam, Liam Neeson. Yes, FYI. <laughs> um, and, and Lancelot wins the jousting, and uh, that sort of implies that oh, the queen is innocent, and they have mm. not have any, <laughs> any, anything like that going on. Mm -hmm. uh, but they, of course, can't quite keep from each other. So, um, uh, uh, or Guinevere does go out to Lancelot in the forest, and they yeah. sleep with each other. Uh, Arthur follows them, and Arthur doesn't kill them. He just puts no. Excalibur, Excalibur between them. And leaves it there. And Lancelot is like, if he doesn't have the sword, then the land doesn't have a king. And yeah. this is like bad news. Mm. Um, and from here, Arthur pretty much just descends into very deep depression mm. and the land with him. You know, we we're seeing oh, this yeah. utopia really descend into some yes. really... Not a very pleasant yeah, poverty, country to live in. Poverty, famine, yes. all of those things. Um, it's very dreary and uh, like the round, the knights of the round table are sort of panicking and trying to figure out like how do we get King Arthur to be his old self. Mm. And the solution is to find the Holy Grail mm. so that Arthur can drink from it and regain, he, regain his strength and I suppose sanity in a way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. because he's so like you say depressed and uh, then we sort of follow along in i believe it's percival percival yeah mostly, yeah, mostly yeah, percival i mean mm -hmm. they're all mm -hmm. out looking for it but mostly percival and mm -hmm. at one point he is uh he sees a golden clad uh, knight and he follows this so i mean he it's quite obvious by the way that the knight is speaking that it's a young person and then he sort of stumbles upon Morg Morgane or Morgana. I can't recall how it's pronounced, but um, mm. let's go with Morgana. Stumbles upon Morgana and her sort of evil plan to have yeah. um, have the son kill Arthur and be the king, pretty much. Mm -hmm. uh, and the son does that. He goes and tries to uh, kill Arthur, but is slain in the process, if I recall correctly yeah and so arthur, is arthur yeah arthur and mordred kills Ma each other. mordred yes they kill each other yeah. and uh, <sighs> i think the sword is then thrown in the lake yes. so that the lady of the lake who was the one that su that um supplied <laughs> let's say <laughs> supplied uther pendragon with the, with the sword uh, she yes. takes it back and um things are is it's to my knowledge it's sort of like implied that it's the magic isn't as prevalent in the land anymore mm. uh, we've also had a scene where Morgana is, uh, dies because she um, uses up her magic or something to that extent mm. so Merlin is the last piece of magic left in much, England yeah. Uh, yeah. and that sort of is the ending to that era and um 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, you could sort of probably go into more detail if you want to, but that is basically yeah, it. It is, um. <laughs> it is the classic King Arthur story. Uh, I think there's like a few different versions of King Arthur mm-hmm. being told. Um, but if you've seen any sort of, like you said earlier, I, I haven't personally seen Disney's version, to my knowledge. No. Um, but any of them, it's mm. the same beats. The interpretation is a bit different and maybe you'll cut away a few characters because there are quite a lot and there's also like the generational shift in the mm-hmm. middle of the story. But it's basically the same um, sort of tale all over. So yeah. how how would you say that this uh, holds up to maybe some other Arthur um, interpretations you've seen or like what your perception of a of a good King Arthur story would be like? Well, uh, the two Arthur, uh, King Arthur adaptations that are I have sort of have the freshest in my memory is of course the Disney version and the one they called King Arthur that came out in like 2004 or something, mm. uh, starring Keira Knightley. Mm. Um, that one was vastly different. Um, that was more sort of a, a sp- spiritual adaptation of Arthur rather mm. than than a literal, I suppose. Uh, it was good in its own right, but I wouldn't necessarily call it the Arthur King Arthur adaptation. It's, it wasn't. It didn't really give at least me what I wanted from mm. from such an adaptation. Um, and then the Disney version, which is of course uh, mostly just deals with how Arthur becomes king and not the other parts because it's for kids. You know, mm. you can't have the whole <laughs> incest thing with between Arthur and his sister <laughs> and all that. that yes, awkward. kids would get ideas, so <laughs> we don't want that. So that one ends at a pretty early state. Um, and then there's also the Mists of Avalon uh, miniseries, which I have seen, but it was many, many years ago now. Uh, and that one had a bit of a different focus. It focused more on the women, women mm. of the series. Uh, so that one is interesting for, for other reasons. But I think if you want, like, I wouldn't call it a definitive King Arthur adaptation, because I don't think there's such a thing, but one that really takes all the part of the King Arthur tale and doesn't try to spin it in any way. Like, like Mrs. Avalon takes the spin that, oh, we're going to tell it from the perspective of the women, and that's great. And then the one from 2004, you know, says, oh, we're going to put this spin on it instead. You know, mm. King Arthur is a Roman, uh, Roman soldier and yada, yada, which is also great. But if you want like a, a tale of, or an adaptation of King Arthur that tries to keep as close to the source material as possible i would say this is the one you want um uh, because i don't think i have seen any other king arthur adaptation that has dealt with the 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 search for the grail as much as this one does um yeah i think i think it's very interesting for that reason yeah agreed Uh, it's a very like you say, the beats are definitely there of the story. And it's sort of, it's very straightforwardly told as well. Um, and I think if you're a fan of King Arthur, you might really enjoy that. You, mm-hmm. you might, um, like you say, like the Holy Grail thing. I can't remember any King Arthur interpretation I've seen that deals as much with that part mm. as it does. And it was the, a part that I really liked about the movie. It was really mysterious and intriguing. And like, what will 
come out of this eventually so I I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed that movie but what I feel like because like you've sort of talked well you've you've sort of gotten into what's really good about the movie but I sort of just want to stop a little bit what I think it might be lacking for me and Mm -hmm. I think it that I I can't really get a hold of the characters really um I I wish that there was a little bit more with the characters especially Morgana and that may be because at the the mists of Avalon is the one that I have most clearly in my mind because I've seen that a few times and it's one I really enjoy and I just feel like the I would have liked to see a little bit more of her motivation and more of her experience like watching well basically watching her mother get raped and really feeling that there is something very wrong happening because it's not her father so maybe I would have liked a little bit more time with the characters the jumps are pretty obvious like with the with the time jumps and everything it sort of feels a little bit rushed which is a shame because the movie in its in a, as a whole is really good I like everything I'm seeing it's very gritty <laughs> but not gritty in like modern era gritty where we just sort of put this filter on it and call it a day it looks really like it could be in that swampy nasty forest in the middle of the autumn and it's just that sort of green gray color but the armor is just shining and it's the contrasts are really nice like I could gush over the look (laughs) of this thing (laughs) infinitely because I also like the costumes are great in this they're really great um to their accuracy I can't say anything I don't know when this is even supposed to be set it's like 700 AD I don't know possibly Um, I don't know let's say it's somewhere along those lines but I I can't I have no idea what people wore at that time so Mm -hmm. but uh, it looks great so really what I'm getting at is maybe I I think I think it's like two hours and 20 minutes and I would have liked to seen it being three hours actually um, which is not something I usually say in this podcast. I usually say that I think they should cut it f- 15 minutes or so. <laughs> but here I'm quite the opposite. I'd be like, give me 40 more minutes, please. Yes. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. I, I could even handle like an intermission in the middle. <laughs> That'd be fine. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah I, I, I totally agree with you that I think the characters and the character motivations and the character development is possibly the, the weak, weakest part of the film. Mm. Um, but then sort of as a, as a counter-argument to that, um, and, and I'm not saying this to disagree, I'm just saying that you can look at it from, from, from the perspective that this movie is supposed to tell the story of a legend. And I think this movie actually does a really good job of portraying that, of, of giving that mm. atmosphere that you are watching a legend happen. Because the characters, they talk sort of very poetic, kind mm. of, uh, lyrical, and it's really beautiful, but it's not realistic. You know, no one would actually yeah. talk like that. <laughs> but it gives this this sense of just, you're watching this tale of this mythic king mm happening and it's it's quite awesome in that way and i think the lack of character development is prob- probably a part of that because i think in a in a legend or a myth of this nature you don't really have that um, yeah that's a definitely it's my fault anyway yeah point yeah yeah is there anything else you want to get into regarding like the plot or 
costume. No, I think so. I think we we covered the the most important parts. You know that this this very much feels like a legend told, uh, and 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 that is a big strength of the film, but also possibly its weakness that it sort of lacks certain things because of that. Yeah. Uh, but the, it looks great. I mean, if you're looking for a fantasy film, uh, th- this one is a good choice exactly. in my opinion. It's a solid fantasy movie. Yeah. Really, it's not gonna leave you teary-eyed and be like, "Oh, this was such an experience." But it was, it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of great shots there. <laughs> so, Linnea, I'm dying of curiosity. <laughs> I have a selection for you, and you're gonna pick who you want to bang, who you want to bond, and who you want to blast. <laughs> and that is our version of Fuck Mary Kill. And the selection is. Uther Pendragon, Arthur's father, if you, listener, might need a reminder. We have the dashing knight, Lancelot, who may also be cheating on you, but just as a side note. And the very gorgeous Morgana, but she has a knife and she's ready to stab you with it. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, (laughs) I don't think... Any of these three are good for bonding, uh, but they might be good for banging all three of them. Um, I think oh, this is this is not an easy selection. No, but I think I'm gonna go with banging Morgana hmm. because of well, she's pretty, you know. She <laughs> the actress playing her looks good, and I would like to uh, check that out. Anyway. <laughs> Hint, hint, Helen Mirren, if you're listening. <laughs> oh my god, that got that got really awkward. Anyway, uh, I guess I will bond Lancelot, even though he might cheat on me with Guinevere. At least he's handsome and he's a knight, and he supposedly would bring money to the table. So you know that's good. <laughs> very practical of you. Yes, very practical. <laughs> And then I would bang, or no, blast Uther Pendragon. Mm, uh, because, yeah, I mean, he he wasn't a very good king. So, you know, no, he's not getting any. Yes, agreed. I too, (laughs) I'm going to blast Uther Pendragon. Uh, (laughs) Rapist and a bit impulsive. I I can't get along with that. So he's blasted. Bye-bye, Uther. Uh, But I'm going to bang Lancelot instead. Mm. Because I feel like, I mean, he's looking way too much over at Guinevere. And I just feel like it's going to, we're going to go down the road and there's going to be divorce and it's going to be tragic. And I just, I feel like in the 700s, it's going to be messy. So I'm not mm. dealing with that. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to bang him, like I said. So He's I'm a pretty boy. Yeah, so weirdly enough, I'm bonding with Morgana. I feel like she has, uh, like she's very loyal to the people who is loyal to her, sort of. Um, But she will also sacrifice you for her evil deeds if there ever occurs to be a need for evil deeds. So (laughs) I'm just hoping that we're going to be happy and live in a witch hut together. (laughs) Making brews of Newt's eye and things like that. It'll be good. It'll be good. And like you say, she is very easy on the eye. So I'm happy. I'm here for that life. (laughs) Good choice. Good choice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you're letting your evil side out to play now. <laughs> exactly. It needs to come out at least once a year. <laughs> so, moving on from Bang Bond Blast to 
argue why this shouldn't win a Gordon. And Gordon is our version of the Oscar and is equally important in the movie industry. So <laughs> listen closely, kids. And I'm, of course, interested in why you think Excalibur should win a Gordon. Well, Ebba, quite seriously, this is a very... I mean, sometimes we do very uh, sort of jokey uh, picks here, but I'm going to mm. be very serious with this one. And I think this is the best fantasy film from 1981. Mm. Um, a few, just a few examples of other fantasy films that came out this year would be uh, Time Bandits, uh, Clash of the Titans and Dragon Slayer uh, and Heavy Metal. And I think I like all of those films, but I do like Excalibur the best. So that's why it's it gets this nomination mm. for me. It wins in this category, and you also win for being the most serious. So, double win! <laughs> but yeah, definitely a really good uh, reason for it to win a Gordon. Uh, it is a very good fantasy film, and I think in that year I go with you over, like, let's say, Dragon Slayer. It's superior to that one, at least in my opinion. So, agreed. Uh, I, however, will stand for the silly side of this podcast. <laughs> so, I think... <laughs> That Excalibur should win a Gordon for vast amounts of shiny armor that will blind you if you look straight at it. <laughs> Which is pretty much the experience I had watching this movie. Whenever armor yes. was in the sunlight, it was oh my god, someone recently <laughs> polished that, I can tell. And it was great. <laughs> so yeah. lastly, if you don't have any comment on that, we will move on to double feature. So do you have a recommendation for... One, two, three, four, five movies that someone might want to watch alongside this one. Yeah, I have a couple actually. Mm. Um, as we talked about earlier, this is the tale of a legend, and there is a movie out there called Legend that has ah. somewhat similar <laughs> qualities. Uh, it, it's very sort of dreamlike, mythic. It has this sort of almost like a mist or or hazy uh, mist la laid over the picture that makes it looks very just just otherworldly oh, it's and I so think, beautiful yeah. I think it's the most beautiful movie ever to be honest yeah, legend yeah. It's, uh, oh. and I think legend and Excalibur have, have some things in common in that regard um, but the other one it comes to telling an epic tale of this nature I mean there's of course the Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, which I think Excalibur and Lord of the Rings are both really good examples of what we were talking about earlier about how this feels like a legend come to life that we are watching uh, and and uh, Excalibur and Lord of the Rings are the best examples of this that I can think of so I would maybe watch them together good uh, good uh, suggestions definitely ditto the uh, legend suggestion mm -hmm. that is just Beautiful, like I said, beautiful yes. movie. Um, I just thought of something that you could watch alongside this one. Mm -hmm. Also, that sort of, you know, like in the 80s, some of these movies, they looked kind of gritty, gray, like we talked about earlier. This sort of like <sighs> realistic feeling, like you could go on a day. I like, I'm for, for reals, I've been in woods where it looks like that at certain days when there's no sh sun. It's just gray because it's so cloudy, but there's still light in the air. And you mm -hmm. sort of get that sort of special kind of feeling. And even though it's been a lot of years since I saw, um, however it's pronounced in English, maybe you'll 
be able to tell me, but Ronja Rövardotter. Mm, Ronja the Robber's Daughter. Ronja the Robber's Daughter. Uh, too many American <laughs> R's for me to handle as usual. <laughs> but um, it too has this. I mean, it's the kids' version, so I suggest you watch that first and then you end the evening <laughs> with Excalibur. But it too has those moments where it's really dark and you have this feeling like there's magic and things in the air behind mm-hmm. that tr- behind that tree under that stone and it can be sort of uh, scary and uh yeah definitely. that's why i, I would mean, suggest that one both excalibur and ronya the robber's daughter have these forests that 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 feels very ancient you know the, yes. the trees and everything feels so ancient and there's secrets there and their history there and you know mm-hmm. the sword and the stone can very much turn up in ronya the robber's daughter because it's that kind of environment definitely so, you wouldn't bat uh, an eye it would be <laughs> perfectly at home there definitely yes mm-hmm. yes so great great suggestion um so, uh, listener, have you seen Excalibur? We want to know what you think. So go to our Facebook page, Starcrash Podcast, where you can share your thoughts and also give us recommendations for future episodes. And we also have an Instagram account, which you can check out. That is also Starcrash Podcast. Uh, you know, go in there and check out our pictures. <laughs> and uh, join us in two weeks as we do sit down and talk about uh, this island Earth. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.